It's time for the BCHL Podcast. Here's your host, Jesse Adamson. Hey there, welcome to the BCHL Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Adamson. Today we've got a jam-packed episode for you as we wait for the start of the BCHL season. We go a little outside the box as we have actor and former BCHL player Dylan Playfair on the show. Dylan played for the Merritt Centennials in the 2010-11 season. And he also has a ton of other hockey connections. He plays a hockey player on the hit TV show Letterkenny. He appeared in a Gordie Howe made-for-TV movie and also is in the upcoming Mighty Ducks series on Disney+. On top of that, he comes from a hockey family. His dad, Jim Playfair, played in the NHL and was a longtime coach in the minor leagues and in the NHL. And his uncle, Larry, is also a former first-round NHL draft pick and had a long career in the league. Dylan was kind enough to join us for a lengthy chat, so let's not waste any more time and get right to it. So Dylan, uh, this is a BCHL podcast, so I think we'll start on the hockey side before we get into to the acting and the, the TV shows. So first thing I wanted to ask you, um, you were born in Fort St. James, BC. Uh, is that where you grew up or were you kind of moving around a lot? Because I know your dad was was a coach in a bunch of different cities as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was born in Fort and we've got a summer home out there. So every summer we go back and, uh, you know, hang out on the lake. And then in the wintertime, wherever dad was coaching, that was where we'd go to school and uh, spend spend the, the hockey season there. And then depending on on when their season wrapped up, we would go back to Fort. So there were two years where I came back and went to, to school for like the last three months of, of the semester in, in Fort St. James and then spent the summer there. But yeah, every, every year it's back and forth between Fort St. James and wherever dad was coaching. Yeah. That must've been a little challenging for me, for you. Uh, I know obviously from a, a school perspective, but also um, for, for hockey, I know you, you obviously played minor hockey. So uh, what was it like kind of having to, to move around and join a new team every few years? Yeah, I mean, it, it was tough in the sense that you had to make new friends and meet new people every time you moved, but um, it, it worked out pretty well, actually, with the with the hockey season itself, because generally, when whenever Dad would go back to, whether it was the East Coast League or the, the American League and then the NHL, um, their, their training camp was often starting around the same time our tryouts were, so we never really had to move mid-hockey season in the one year that did happen. Um, that was the year that I went to play junior B in the BCHL. So I was, I was moved out anyhow, or no, sorry, uh, junior, junior B in the KIJHL. And the year after I went on to the, the BC league and, uh, my youngest brother, Austin, actually, he had to, he had to join a team halfway through the year. So that was kind of challenging for him. He ended up having to play rec league for half the year. And then the next season he was playing, uh, triple a and then the year after that he was in the western league so it didn't it didn't seem to impede his progress too much but uh but yeah by and large we got pretty lucky with that with the hockey season part of it so we've been talking about your dad for for those who don't know your dad is jim playfair he played in the nhl but probably better known as a coach uh your uncle larry was also a first round pick and had a long nhl career as well uh what was it like for you growing up with hockey being such a big part of your life from such an early age yeah, it was obviously a really, you know, cool experience to be able to be that close to the game and, and especially for me and my brothers playing with the dreams and, and hopes of, of eventually one day playing in the NHL to have that 
proximity to the game and to be able to go to the rink and hang out with with my dad and with the players and, and see that lifestyle and and not just just see the, the the fun and exciting part of it, but also to understand the challenges of what it takes to be a professional hockey player, hockey coach, and sort of the inner workings of of that lifestyle and, and how you know how much work goes into it. Like it is a it's a fun job and it's a, an interesting job, but I think a lot of people don't necessarily attribute the amount of work that goes into it. And, and to be able to watch my dad go through that process and to see the preparation that, that he took to, to get to where he got to it really, you know, I, I only ended up playing, I'm sure we'll get to this later on, but I played one season in the BC league and then sort of parlayed that into an acting career and, having watched my dad go through his journey, I, I recognized how valuable the lessons that I was learning playing hockey would, would be in, in my career, you know, like he had during the lockout, he was doing motivational speaking and, and telling the stories of, of adversity through hockey and, and how to, you know, handle ups and downs and how to lead young men into, into adverse situations as a, as a coach. So I had a ton of, respect and I guess understanding for for what what his process was and and how how valuable the lessons that I was learning as a player would be when it came time to, to transition into another career so yeah it was a really really exciting childhood I guess you could say I feel really blessed that I had the opportunity to, to grow up in that environment yeah, and you just touched on this a little bit, but I know from other interviews you've done and your answer there, uh, your dad has been a big influence on you throughout your life. You just touched on kind of the ways that he he's a bit of an inspiration to you, but just in general, what's your relationship like with him? Yeah, it's really, really good. I, I feel really fortunate that, you know, it's not just, I think a lot of people would assume it's really based on, on hockey and as much as hockey is a, a part of our life and really in our blood. Um, for me, it's more sort of seeing what he has done with, with his life journey, you know, like having the cottage in Fort St. James and the value that he put on, on the stability for our family, even though we, you know, we moved every two or three years. I think the longest amount of time we ever spent in one spot was five years. And that was in Calgary. And, the, the value that he put on, on family and, and having that time to, to sort of relax in the summer because he recognized how much, how much of a draw it was on, on the kids and on my mom during the winter. I mean, when he was coaching the East Coast League, he'd be gone for three weeks at a time you know, on, some, on some road trips. So uh, to, see, to see his, his drive and his, uh, his work ethic and, and what it's done for him. I mean, he's in the NHL and it's a really, you know, there's not very many positions in, in his, in his field of work. So the approach that he's taken to, to his job has really, really helped me understand how to be resilient in the field of acting, which is really full of uncertainty. And I think the same thing can apply to, to hockey, the pro hockey, there's a lot of uncertainty, but there are certain things that you can do to, to give yourself a bit of an edge and to, and to sort of mentally stay above the water, um, when it comes to transitioning from one job to another. And, and the, the old saying goes, you know, coaches are hired to be fired. So you're always, you know, you're, you're coaching and then you're, 
on another team. And that's just sort of the evolution of the game and, and how it works. So, so that's been really cool to, to have that, you know, that, that sort of guiding figure in my life and in my career. But then beyond that, he's also, you know, a really funny guy. And I think a bunch of my, my humor comes from him and, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very proud of, of what he's done and yeah, it's a it's a pretty pretty cool opportunity to feel to, you know, call your dad one of your best friends and, and also to be as inspired by him as I am. For sure. Uh, so just uh, one more question before we move on. Uh, one more question about your dad. Um, I'm sure you get asked about this all the time, but I did want to ask you about <laughs> that that infamous shirt ripping Hulk Hogan incident while he was with the uh, the Abbotsford Heat of the AHL. Um, for, yeah. for, for people that, that don't know, you could just YouTube Jim Playfair and you'll see it. But uh, that was over 10 years ago now. But uh, obviously you were around 17 years old when that happened. Um, did, did, you, did you and your family give him a hard time about it is that something that that you guys still kind of bug him about today you know what it's actually it's kind of funny he when when that happened i was i was uh at a training camp for the dawson creek rage in the north american hockey league and i don't think they're i don't think dawson creek has a team anymore but he he called me and told me to you know turn on tsn and <laughs> so i flipped on the television and there he was ripping his shirt off breaking sticks and <laughs> i'm like what 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 happened man like what's going on he goes i just disagreed with the call it was the wrong call to make <laughs> and yeah so we we you know he he's got a really good sense of humor about it i mean now he looks back and i think his his favorite uh version of that was there was a radio station in calgary that sort of dubbed over and and and, and made it sound like the referee was making fun of of the flames for their season they were having and he reacts to that so like he's got a really good sense of humor about it and i, I think one of the guys on the bench you could see was laughing during the during the episode of, of him you know losing his mind and i guess the kid's mom had called him and said like you're on tv laughing at your coach like you got to go apologize to him <laughs> and uh <laughs> he came into the room and was like oh man i feel really bad and, and jimmy was like oh my god i i would have been laughing too if i were in your position so um yeah we've all got a pretty good sense of humor about it and it's been a great icebreaker for me you know i think a lot of people especially in the in the film industry might not necessarily know who my dad is and then when i you know as, as it starts to sort of unravel as to as to where I've come from and who my family is. And they're like, Oh, your dad's a coach. And then I'm like, yeah, actually you want to see something kind of funny. So it's, it's become more of an asset than a detriment for sure. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's great. You guys can laugh about it. Uh, so yeah, just oh, yeah, move- we do. Yeah, we do. for sure. Uh, so moving on to your, uh, through your hockey career here, you, you mentioned you played the one year of junior B, uh, and then came your one year stint in the BCHL with the Merritt Centennial. So, um, mm-hmm. looking back to that season and that time in your life, like, well, what do you remember about that? What are your, your memories of that time? Yeah, I remember, um, uh, of course it was something I really worked hard for, you know, as, as a player, I wasn't, uh, I was battled with this skill you know it wasn't something that came easily to me I, I was always sort of the first guy on the ice and the last guy off and really worked hard on my conditioning in the winter and in the summertime sorry so I could be in good shape throughout the winter but uh it was just one of those things where for whatever reason I I was I was a physically strong player I was quick um but I was I was really in my head I think with the puck and I remember 
a constant, like that whole season, I just, I, I battled with my ability to produce points and, and sort of figure my identity out as a, as, as a player. And I really, really enjoyed being around the guys and, and, and taking on that role of, of being a dressing room guy. But I also was aware that, you know, to, to be a, a third, fourth line guy in the VCHL who's good at killing penalties, but isn't putting up points. Like you, you look at the, the road in front of you and, and I recognize, you know, I'm, if I'm not dominating in this league, uh, professional hockey is probably not going to be in the cards for me. And, and I knew that cause my dad coached in the NHL and there aren't very many guys in the NHL who were, you know, fourth line penalty killers in the VCHL. So, uh, it was, you know, having, having gone through that process of watching my dad, being hired and fired and getting onto teams and transitioning and moving up through the ranks. Uh, I never felt like I had failed at anything, but I knew that at the end of that season, it was going to be my last season. Like I wanted to make a transition into film after, after that year. Now, had I, had I performed really well and scored a bunch of goals and and been on the top line, that would have been a, a different feeling going into the off season. But you know, you kind of, you look back and at the the opportunities that present themselves when something doesn't work out at the time kind of seems hard to realize, but had I, had I performed differently, I don't think I would have gotten into acting the way that I did uh, as quickly as I did. So um, my, my memories of that season now are, are really good. I had a fantastic coach who was, who was really understanding and supportive and, and the guys on that team were fantastic. But uh, I guess at the end of that season in Merritt, I had a really clear understanding that it was time to start becoming an actor. <laughs> <laughs> was was that pretty much it for your hockey career? Well, like I, I know you mentioned a, a tryout in the North American League, but was was that pretty much your last stop before the the full time transition to acting? Yeah, yeah. So I tried out for the North American League when I was seventeen. Um, and then I ended up going and playing junior B that year. I had a pretty good year uh, playing in the KJHL. And then, you know, just had a, had a bit of a tougher season uh, in Merritt. I had an opportunity to go play. Uh, I could have played junior A on the East Coast. I could have played junior B uh, out here in the, in the PIJHL. Uh, and then I, I had a couple of offers because, you know, I, was, I wasn't like a, a terrible hockey player by any stretch of the imagination, but I just wasn't going to be a top-line guy in the DC League. So there were, there were some teams that had offered me some really exciting opportunities. You know, one team offered me the, the C to come in, and uh, they had a really young squad coming in, and they wanted some leadership. And that was something that I was, I was really good at, at communicating with players and, and coaches and, you know, stuff that I had really learned from my, from my dad. Um, but it, what it really did was strengthen this idea in me that I I wanted to be known for my own assets, not necessarily for what my dad had done. I wanted to sort of branch off and, and make my own mark on, on my own, my own career, my own industry. And film was something that I felt was going to be as rewarding as professional hockey, but also something that I could sort of do on my own and make my own mark. So, um, yeah, as, as far as my, my, my career, that, that was the end of it, but I did continue to play rec league hockey and beer league hockey with, uh, with my pals out here in Vancouver, which actually ended up leading to Letterkenny. So 
it's all connected. Nice. Nice. Um, so like, were, were you acting, um, while you were playing junior hockey? Was, was that something you've always, always been interested in or was that something kind of new to you when you uh, wrapped up the hockey career? I'd always wanted to, to do acting. I, I'd done it through junior high and a little bit in high school, but once I, once I graduated and, and got into playing junior, it was, there was no, no theater, none of that kind of stuff. Uh, what I was doing was researching different players and, and well, Taylor Kitsch who'd played in the VCHL for, for the Langley Hornets, I believe he was on a show at the time, Friday night lights. And I was watching it and I told my coach about it and he was like, yeah, you know, that kid played in, in the BC league. And, and I started sort of researching other players who had transitioned into film and television. So I wasn't doing any acting per se, but I was doing a lot of research and, and sort of building my confidence into, into going out and trying to become an actor. And then I found out that Sylvan Harper, who's who played on the, on the sense, his dad was a location manager out in Vancouver. So, um, I started to make these connections with people in the film industry while I was playing hockey and, and it started to become more real to me because I had never met anyone in the film industry in any capacity, not a production person, a crew person, a, an actor that was, it was very far away to me. But once I started meeting people in merit who had connections to the industry and then recognizing that there were people who had come from similar places that I had come from that had, you know, foster successful acting careers. Uh, that was, you know, that was sort of the, the snowball that, that started to roll. It started rolling in merit. Yeah. So it sounds like you, you started to take it pretty, the acting pretty seriously, um, after that season in merit, but, um, like, was there a point for you where you kind of realized like, Hey, this, this could actually be a, a successful career for me. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, you know, it's it's funny to say this, but I, I guess there's the saying, you know, ignorance is bliss. Like I had when I when I was in junior high and I was doing those plays, it was something that I just I really felt very confident doing them. I I, I always felt confident, you know, making jokes in front of the guys, talking on the bus, interacting with people, and so I I kind of had this like uh, this naivety about my, my acting career where I was like, okay, the hard thing is going to be getting the NHL. Like I'm going to have to work my butt off to get there. But the easy thing, like my, my, my fallback plan is becoming a professional actor. It's Casey who said sound. So when I came with Vancouver and I started to recognize why it was working this way, like it's not, you don't want to come off as arrogant or cocky, but you want to have ultimate confidence because when you come into a position where a director is asking you to fill a role, they want you to, to answer their question to solve their problem. They have this role that needs to be filled. And if you come in going, Hey, like, I think I can do this. Maybe I'm not really sure. Like, I, I hope you like what I have to bring as opposed to like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. I, I'm really confident in it. Let me show you my character, my idea of what this guy should be. And then you present that. It gives a lot of confidence to the production team and the director as far as, like how much babysitting they're going to have to do on the day. Like the, the less they have to worry about you as a performer, I think the better it is. So 
I came up to Vancouver and I really, my whole goal was just to prove to an agent. And then after that, to prove to a director or producer that I, that I was as good as I thought I was. So I, I got him enrolled in acting classes and acting schools and took a lot of, of, of pride in the work and just kind of the same tactics that I'd used through hockey and, and applied them to acting. I was taking classes every weekend and reading every book I could and, Every time I got an opportunity to speak with an actor, I'd, I'd pick their brain. And I was watching every YouTube interview with every famous actor I'd, I could think of. So by the time I, I was presented with an opportunity to sign with an agent, I went and sat down with her and said, look, like I'm, I'm really, really confident in this. This is, this is my, I put all my eggs in this basket. I'm not doing this to like dabble and see how it works out. Like if this takes me, 10 years, I'm going to work for 10 years until I get my first role. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me how I get there, but I'm going to get there. And I think with anything in life, if you come at it with that attitude, then, then every step is a step in the right direction. Even if you're falling down and maybe opening doors that lead nowhere, like so long as you're moving forward, you're, you're on that path. And especially in a career like acting where there's so much unknown, I think you really have to have this like, sort of blind confidence in yourself that eventually it will work out. Um, and that was, that was kind of my mentality. I just came to Vancouver and I was like, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. Someone's got to give me an opportunity and it, it, it did. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's uh, the energy of it or, 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 or what happened, but I, uh, I didn't really understand how hard it was supposed to be. And then within, you know, a year I had, uh, I had shot my first movie. Yeah, looking at some of those early credits of yours before Letterkenny, um, uh, you were a part of the uh, the Gordy Howe story TV movie. You starred uh, alongside Andrew Hur, who you work on Letterkenny with now. You guys each played one of Gordy's sons, Mark and Marty. Uh, what was it like uh, working on that project and uh, kind of getting to tell the story of such a, a legend in the game? That was a really cool experience, especially like you said, working with Andrew. We we were actually roommates at the time, so he was going to the UBC acting program, and uh, I was taking courses in in film and acting, and and we both auditioned for for the Gordy House story, and then ended up obviously booking the roles to play to play the brothers. Um, but it was it was a really really surreal experience, you know, going from. And obviously, I'm aware. Of, I think a big part of why we were a cast was because we both played hockey. Andrew had played junior A out in Ontario, and uh, obviously, I played in the BC League. Um, but then on top of that, I had this experience of having a dad in in the NHL and, and the pressure that a son puts on himself, and I couldn't imagine what it would be like to, to actually play pro hockey with your dad, not just, <laughs> you know, to follow in his footsteps. So through, through my uncle Larry, who actually knew Marty, I was able to speak with, with Marty Howe and, and get a little bit of information on, on, on his experience. And, you know, one of the greatest bits of advice that I got from him was, you know, Marty told me that he just really, enjoyed playing hockey and, and never took anything too seriously. He cared. He wanted to win. Of course, he was a hard competitor, but at the end of the day, he was enjoying himself and recognized that it was a game. And he said to me, if you go to set 
with a smile on your face and you enjoy the process, you'll do my story justice. So just enjoy the process and recognize that we have the utmost respect for Gordy. And, uh, and we really, really had a lot of fun during that time in, in Houston. So I took that into that movie. That movie ended up being successful. Uh, I, I got awarded with a, a Leo award for, for best performance, which is, you know, early in my career. And it sort of set the tone for, for the rest of my career as far as how I approached new jobs. It was really like, regardless of comedy, drama, biopic, whatever you're doing, you, you got to remember that you're doing it because you love it. And you want to be there and have fun with it. Even if it's a challenging scene, like don't lose sight of the joy that that acting brings you. And uh, that was such a such a cool lesson to learn early on in my career, because I think a lot of people lose sight of that, especially in an, in an industry like acting where it's, you know, you, you can kind of lose sight of the uh, the intangibles pretty quickly if you're not aware of it. Yeah, and eventually, shortly after that, you connected with uh, Jared Kiso, who's the the creator and the star of of Letterkenny, and you guys shot the the Letterkenny problems kind of um, internet short that that led to the series. But um, just uh, before all that, how did that relationship come about with Jared? So I met Jared through I was working as a production assistant actually. Uh, just emptying garbage cans on various film sets around Vancouver. And I had told one of the, one of the truck drivers, I believe that I was a hockey player trying to become an actor. So he invited me out to play the early hockey with his, with his team. And from there I, I met Ryan McDonald, who's another actor in Vancouver. And then he invited me to his full-time beer league team. And that was how I met Jared. I actually at the time, I lived in Calgary for so long. Jared tells a story. I, I walked in with uh, cowboy boots and uh, <laughs> like flared out jeans, and I think I might have still had a mullet at the time. <laughs> and Kiso uh, is just like, "Who is this guy?" And we ended up hitting it off right away. And uh, he he was the one who actually introduced me to my first agent, and um, he he introduced me to my first agent, and then. We, uh, I, I did the Mr. Hockey movie with, with Andrew and then Jared, he was actually one of the ones who sort of threw us our first premiere party, um, after that. And that was what led into Letterkenny problems. So yeah, Jared has really been there since the, really the, the very, very, very beginning, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and then talking about Letterkenny problems, um, I think that was the first time we got to see the characters of Riley and Jonesy, who who you play and uh, your co-star Andrew Herr. Um, for people that don't know, they're they're two kind of stereotypical Canadian hockey players. Um, is that something yeah. that that Jared like? Did Jared already have those characters in mind, or did you you or Andrew have any input into what those guys would be like? Yeah, so um, you know, Jared had them in in mind in, in the sense that, you know, he wrote the, he wrote the YouTube short with, with two hockey players, um, you know, two hockey playing bros, but, you know, Andrew and I, I think having both interacted with those people along the way, you know, and <laughs> through our, through our hockey journey, we, we came with them pretty well developed. Um, but, uh, it, it's for sure. I would say like a, a 50, 50 split. I mean, Kiso writes the dialogue and puts us in the situations that allow us to be the 
the the versions of Riley and Jonesy that you see. But um, as far as like a character breakdown and auditioning and finding the people who like played those characters well, it was a lot more organic than that. It was really, you know, Jared, Jared thought it'd be fun for us to come out and do this YouTube thing. And then Bell, Bell caught on and, and really, it seemed to like the product and then they brought us out and there was, you know, we, we got right on, right onto the project. There was no auditioning or anything. So I would say it was, uh, it was a bit of both if that, if that answers the question. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Riley and Jonesy do a really good job of kind of poking fun at, uh, hockey culture with things like the, the super simplified nicknames, like, like Jonesy and Shorzy and some of the other language that's very, yeah. spe- very specific to the sport. So, um, uh, in your opinion, why do you think that's been such a great source of material for you in the show? Yeah, I, I think having grown up around the game and, um, having had the ability to, through my, through my childhood, like move around and interact with a ton of different people. Cause it's not just, it's not just the hockey players that you meet when you're, when you're moving around as much as I did, you're, you're interacting with tons of different kinds of people. And I, I think for, for me, you know, there, there was always something kind of hilarious about like a true, true, like through and through hockey bro, you know? <laughs> and having having the exposure to the the drama kids and the artsy kids and the you know the the small small town of Fort St. James and then going and and spending time in a city like New York or Buffalo or Calgary like you you get this exposure to all these different clicks of people um and I think that's what sort of allows you to to poke fun at at your own I guess click of of friends and and hockey players especially. So yeah, you know, it, it was, a. It, it's still something that I really take a lot of pride in because I don't think any hockey player ever feels like they're made fun of. I don't think anyone in Letterkenny flat out is offensive to any one group. If anything, I think there's a sense of like belonging with all those, with all those crews and those groups. Like I, I really, you know, appreciate how Riley and Jonesy, they've got this sort of like ride or die mentality for everyone in the town. And even though they are <laughs> not the, not the brightest bulbs uh, in the package, they're, they're still, you know, they're, they, they believe what they're doing is, is the best way to do it. And, uh, and I think comedy, especially with dumb characters um, has to come from like an earnestness and a, and a belief that they don't, they don't think they're as goofy as the audience does. So, you know, leaning into that and then also having the, the resources of having played hockey and having my brothers played in the Western league and my dad's in the NHL. Like I'm, I'm still around a lot of, a lot of that energy. And, uh, it's, it's pretty true to, to my sense of humor. So it's, it's a very cool character to play. It's, it's not, not too much work to figure out how Riley would act. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when Letterkenny first debuted as a series in Canada, it, it quickly grew a massive following. So for you being, being a part of that show from day one, what was it like for you to see that kind of reaction? Yeah, it was incredible, you know, to go from concept to first six episode order to now, you know, going into season nine and, and 10 and it's, it's unbelievable. It's something that I, I think I still sort of have to pinch myself. I mean, even hearing you say that 
my, my dad broke the sticks 10 years ago. It's like, <laughs> wow, time, yeah. time is a crazy thing, man. It's, it really flies, but, uh, yeah, it, it's certainly something that I'm very, very proud of. And, you know, it's a testament to, to the creators of the show and to the cast. I mean, everyone really, really does. I think they really love each other and they really love working together. And, and Letterkenny is such a fun, unique show. It's, it's a, it's a small crew. It's a very tight knit cast. You know, we shoot it very quickly. We go out to Sudbury. Um, none of us are Sudbury natives. So we all, you know, stay in a, stay in a hotel together and get to hang out and have a ton of fun on set and have a ton of fun on the weekends. And, it, it's it's kind of like you know I've joked about it with people before. I, I compare it to the Edmonton Oilers in the eighties, and they just had like they they had the touch of the magic. You know, it was like all cylinders were firing, and the team liked each other, and the ownership was great, and they were winning Stanley Cups. And I think that's that's sort of the lightning in the bottle that Letterkenny has, and you know, to be a part of that and to 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 see how it affects people and. You know, there are like our fans are the best fans in the world, man. Like the love they have for the show and the, and the pride they have in the show, it's it's something that you know I, I think every actor dreams of being a part of something like this, and and to have this happen this early in my career, it's not lost on me how special it is, and and I just I feel very 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 fortunate that I get to make such a special show with with the people that I that I get to work with and. Yeah, I got the best job in the world. <laughs> yeah, since it debuted in Canada, it's also gained a, a large following in the U.S. And some of the fans include some some massive celebrities. Like I know guys like Brad Pitt and Edward Norton have been on the record saying how they're fans of the show. Like when you hear something like that, like it's got to be pretty unbelievable, I imagine. Yeah, it's surreal. It's it, it's really surreal, and and it sort of it makes it real, you know, because when you're when you're out there doing it. Um, it, it's a microcosm, right? You're out in Sudbury, you're away from your, your, your family and your friends. And for, for two months, it really feels like you're at summer camp and it's such a Canadian production. It's such a Canadian show. You know, there's, there, there's this very small town feel when you're, when you're doing it. So it, as much as it is blown up, you know, it's done, it's done very well. On, on Crave and, and Bell, I know they're they're really stoked about it, and Hulu's really excited about it too. Every time I, I speak with someone from Hulu, they're impressed. They call it a sleeper hit. They're like, "Yeah, we didn't ever think this would be this popular, but here it is." You know, one of the most popular shows on the network, and to to have that, uh, I guess that validation from uh, their validation, I should say, validation from. People like you, you mentioned Brad Pitt and Edward Norton and Steve Brill who created the Mighty Ducks. Like these are these are people who, um, you know, they, they've they've got no horse in the race. It's really just something that they genuinely believe is is funny and and they want people to to know about it. And they're not they're not promoting it because they're they have a vested interest in it. They're just promoting it because they believe it's it's good content and. I've said the same thing to people, you know, like if I wasn't in the show, I'd still watch the show and I'd tell people to watch the show because I think it is so unique and it is so funny and it is so um, personal to, I think a lot of people, like they watch it and they feel like they know someone from Letterkenny, if not multiple people from Letterkenny, whether they're from a big, a big city or a small town. And, and that's been a, a really common theme. A lot of Canadians have said to me, you know, uh, 
it's so Canadian. Like, I don't think Americans would understand it, but having lived in the States for, you know, I've lived in the States for almost 13 years, like all, all in all back and forth between, you know, I was born in Canada, but dad coached in the U S and I've gone down there and worked a lot. So I've spent a lot of time in the U S and, uh, I'm, I tell people, I'm like, you know, it's really, it's not that specific as you think it is. Like it's quite a universal show. It's done very well in Australia. It's done very well in the States. It's obviously done very well at home in Canada. And I think that's because, you know, we're not, we're not that different, even though it seems like this very specific, crazy, small Southern Ontario town, those characters exist in Detroit, Michigan, in, in Chicago and in, in Sydney, Australia, and, you know, Calgary, Alberta, like they are to be found in all four corners of the globe. And, and that's, that's a pretty cool thing to recognize. Last question for you. And I know I've kept you way late, so I really appreciate your time here. Um, no, it's all good, man. Yeah. So I, you all mentioned good. Mighty Ducks in your last answer. Um, and that perfectly leads me into my last question. You're going to be part of the new uh, Mighty Ducks series, uh, Game Changers. Uh, like most hockey players, mm-hmm. uh, is it safe to assume the Mighty Ducks movies from the 90s were a big part of your childhood? And, and if yes, so what, what does it mean to you to be a part of the new series? Yes, absolutely. It was uh, the Mighty Ducks trilogy was on repeat in our household on VHS. It was Mighty <laughs> Ducks one, two, or three. Those were kind of the movie options every night when I was a kid. So to be, you know, to 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 have it come full circle and to be able to step on the ice wearing, you know, a Mighty Ducks blazer like uh, the. I know Disney's pretty pretty tight on on spoilers and stuff, so I can't get too much away. But they did release a trailer, and it shows you know I get to play uh, the Mighty Ducks have become an academy team, and my character is now one of the coaches for the for the Mighty Ducks, and uh, they've obviously brought back uh, Coach Bombay and and a lot of elements of the original movies, so. Yeah, I can. It was one of those things like you get on set and you're you're prepared for for work, and then you kind of take a moment to look around and go, "Wow, this is this is cool. This is really cool." And yeah, it's uh, to not to beat on a cliche too hard, but um, it was a dream come true. You know, it was something that that really. Yeah, I don't know if, if it's even fully hit me yet. Just how how cool it is, but. Um, yeah, this, this job has given me such, such amazing experiences and especially being a kid of the nineties, a hockey family. Um, yeah, to, to be a mighty duck now, it's like such a cool opportunity and I'm really, really proud of the, of the series. I think, I think fans are going to be really excited when it comes out. It's very, it's very true to the originals and it's very modernized for for the next generation. So I'm, I'm thrilled to see how that that is received on, on Disney plus whenever they, whenever they release it, you know, COVID has thrown a lot of curveballs, especially in the film and television industry. I know letter Kenny, we were doing a live tour that got postponed and not sure when my Dex is going to come out, but uh, when it does come out, I'm sure people will be very excited. All right, Dylan. Well, congratulations on all your success and I really appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks a lot. Oh man, thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much to Dylan for being so generous with his time. You can catch all seasons of Letter Kenny on Crave TV in Canada 
and on Hulu in the U.S. Also, the Mighty Ducks series is set to hit Disney Plus sometime in 2021. Moving on, our next guest is former Vernon Viper and current Quinnipiac Bobcat Odin Tufto. Tufto is, was recently named the ECAC Conference Player of the Week. He's currently in his senior season at Quinnipiac, and over his three-plus years there, he's racked up 145 points through 123 games. He's also been named a Conference All-Star at the conclusion of all three of his seasons so far. He was kind enough to join us for a chat about his time there, his time in the BCHL, and his outlook going forward. So, Odin, you've been named uh, ECAC Hockey Player of the Week twice already this season, and we're obviously still fairly early in the year, um, including this past week. You have 24 points in 13 games. Uh, what's been working so well for you uh, offensively? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I definitely think, uh, you know, being a senior now in my fourth year, um, obviously, you know, I'm very familiar with how the college game works. And, you know, I think every year I'm just trying to take uh, – you know, step into getting better in certain areas. And, you know, I think that's your one thing, you know, that's definitely been good is, uh, you know, our power play. And, um, you know, one of my line mates, um, who unfortunately just got, um, injured, uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, we have a lot of good chemistry. So I think you mix in the power play and just, you know, being in my fourth year now, just, uh, you know, in a leadership role and just being, you know, very accustomed to the college game. I think, you know, definitely just taking strides in, in, in both those areas. So throughout your career, just kind of looking at your numbers over the years, um, and especially this year, a lot of your points have come from assists. You already have 20 helpers so far in those 13 games. Uh, what do you think makes you such a good playmaker? Ooh, I mean, I think it would date back to, to when I was young. Um, you know, my dad did a really good job of um, you know getting me in the backyard on on the ice rink or in the garage. And, you know, we always used to, you know, work on just like passing and, you know, making plays. And I think, you know, growing up, I was always kind of the passer. I mean, you know, I definitely like to, you know, score goals for sure. Um, you know, I definitely think there's areas where, you know, at times I need to shoot the puck more, but um, you know, I've always been the guy that kind of wants to be the facilitator. You know, I kind of want to, you know, make the right play and, put a, a player into, you know, a best scenario or a best chance to, to put the puck in the net. And, um, you know, I think over my career, especially at Quinnipiac, I think I've you know done a really good job of being able to do that. And you know, I think again, this year, just trying to put guys in the best chance to score. And, you know, then from there, they just got to put the puck in that. So, you know, the guys have definitely done a good job at, at doing that. And, you know, it makes me look good as well. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so some players they, they aren't happy unless they're scoring goals, and like you said, you still do get your fair share of goals. But uh, in your opinion, what what makes you satisfied uh, by setting your teammates up rather than maybe getting the glory yourself? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of you know being able to um, you know I guess for me as a player, you know, have the puck on my stick and you know survey the you know the ice and then and see you know you know, what plays open and what's not and, you know, trying to put it through guys' sticks and trying to put it through guys' skates. I think that to me is kind of like that, that feeling that, you know, I guess, you know, you could call it like makes you happy or makes you satisfied. Like, you know, if I see a guy open, um, you know, to me, you know, he is open, but to maybe someone else, he's not very open because there's, you know, a stick in the lane or two, you know, skates in the lane. And I know, I just know that I can see that puck through that player and, and then, you know, get it over to, to my teammate and, you know, hopefully if you got an open net or a really good chance to score. So I think it's plays like that, you know, just being just 
deceptive and you know using my vision and you know ability to fake and, and look off players um, you know stuff like that has really allowed me to you know really you know rack up the assists and I think at the same time like you said like you know I think goals are going to come I think you know it comes with shooting the puck and it comes with putting yourself in the right position to score but um, you know, I definitely enjoy being a facilitator more than not. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that you're uh, in more of a, a leadership role this year. You were named, you were named team captain, uh, for this season last year, you were an assistant, but, um, as the team captain this year, what's that been like for you? And is it a situation you're familiar with and you have experience with, or is this kind of a new thing for you? Um, you know, I've never been captain. I've been an assistant captain uh, a couple of times, uh, you know, a couple of years in high school, uh, once in juniors, um, you know, then obviously last year I was assistant captain, but captain this year was definitely different. Um, you know, normally, um, you get named captain kind of, you know, at the end of like your, the season before. And then, you know, the way it kind of works at Quinnipiac is we do, you know, summer school and spring workouts after the season. So, um, you know, obviously in the spring, you know, you get to kind of get yourself acclimated and in the summer, you know, usually the freshmen come in and be all kind of around in the summer doing workouts and on the ice. And obviously that didn't happen this summer with COVID, you know, I was in Minnesota the whole summer, um, you know, training with one of my teammates. And so, you know, I, I came in in, in August and that was when I had to kind of meet the freshmen and you know get everybody up to speed and get everybody acclimated. So it has, been, it has brought new challenges. I think we've done a really good job, not only myself, but other leaders on the team at, you know, bonding this group together and creating a good culture on our team. But, you know, it's definitely been a challenge. It's been, you know, a, a newer experience for me, but I think for the most part, I've been able to handle it well, um, you know, balancing it with myself and then with the other you know, assistant captains and other leaders on the team. But, um, you know, like, like probably many people have said, just a weird year and just full of new experiences for sure. So has your has your role changed or your approach changed at all, either on or off the ice, knowing that you're kind of dependent on to be the the main leader of the team and guys are kind of looking to you? You mentioned kind of coming in and meeting all the freshmen. Is there anything else where things have kind of changed significantly for you? Yeah, you know, I would say not on the ice. I'd say, I would say the way I like to lead on the ice is just through action. Um, you know, I definitely like to use my voice, but for me, like, you know, even the past couple of years as an assistant, you know, my, my junior year, even, you know, my sophomore year, when I started to grow those leadership roles, like for me, it's always been about on the ice, like just, you know, making a player, you know, like, you know, making a nice play that turns into assists or, you know, drawing a penalty or just making a good play in the D zone. I've always liked to, to lead through action on the ice. And I, I think off the ice, you know, it does change a little bit when you become a captain, you know, all the responsibility kind of falls on you. You know, you're kind of, you know, you're the leader of the team and you're also, you know, an extended part of the coaching staff and, you know, you have more responsibility there. So I think off the ice has changed a little bit, especially with COVID too, you know, um, you know, at certain moments, uh, you can't be together with the team because, you know, you're trying to keep everyone healthy and stay safe and stuff like that. So I think definitely off the ice, it's brought new challenges, but I think it doesn't change the way I play on the ice. Um, and it doesn't change me as a player at all. So just, Going back, excuse me. Going back to your junior days, you played one season in the BCHL. You were with the Vernon Vipers in 2015-16. Uh, you had a great year that year. Finished top 20 in league scoring. Had 65 points. When you look back on that on that season in Vernon, what are, what kind of memories do you have of that year? 
Yeah, you know that I that year was awesome. Um, I ended up playing a, a second year in the USHL, and you know I, I loved the USHL too. But I think if I could have done it all over again, I would have went back to, to Vernon for another year, um, just because of the situation I had. I had an unbelievable build family um, in the Murrays, and then I had um, you know head coach Mark Ferner was was awesome to me my year in Vernon. You know the team. Uh, you know, we struggled a little bit. We had a, you know, a lot of guys coming in and out with, with trades and acquisitions and stuff like that. Um, but Vernon was, was unbelievable. Um, you know, Mark as a coach, uh, you know, let me flourish offensively and you know, she definitely challenged me on the defensive side as that it's kind of my weakness at that point. But no, I mean, you know, I got my commitment to Quinnipiac when I was at Vernon. Um, I took huge strides as a player and as a person, you know, being away from home and, uh, you know, I definitely wish I would have, you know, gone back for another year probably would have been in a leadership role but you know that was just kind of the way it was at the moment um but no vernon was it was so much fun to me i've been able to get back up there and and um you know see the the bill family again and you know see you know guys like liam finley who i lived with and played with and uh you know the vernon organization was 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 awesome to me it was it was a really fun year up there yeah, after that, uh, after that season, you played in the USHL the next year, and then it was your freshman year at Quinnipiac. Uh, looking back on that first year there, you were able to come in and produce right away. You had 41 points in 38 games that year. Most players kind of tend to ease themselves into college hockey their first year, maybe start putting up uh, the points in the production by their sophomore, sophomore year, but uh, that wasn't the case for you. How were you able to pull that off? Yeah, you know, right when I came in to, to Quinnipiac um, the summer before, you know, head coach Rampock, we had a meeting and, you know, obviously when I came in, uh, he knew the offensive talent uh, you know, that I brought and he, you know, he told me that, you know, he was going to give me an opportunity right away to, to play big minutes. Uh, you know, he's, I remember exactly, he said, you know, I'm going to give you, you know, tops, you know, you're going to be in the top six and then, you know, you're going to play power play. And he said, that's the, that's where you're going to start. And he said, you can either you know, take that opportunity and run with it. Or, you know, if you don't, then, you know, you're going to have to kind of battle your way through. And I remember, you know, just thinking right away, like, you know, I have a huge opportunity on my hands and obviously I play with some pretty good players, um, you know, on the power play and five on five. And, you know, I definitely just think, uh, you know, right away I was able to gain a little bit of confidence, which I think goes a long way. And, I just every every game I went out there as a freshman, I just tried to use my skills and you know, I understood that, you know, guys were bigger and stronger and I was a little bit smaller, but you know, it's kinda of always the way I've played as a smaller guy and you know, I was just able to, you know, go in and you know produce right away and um you know, I just kinda of never looked back on that moment and I've always just, you know, taken that in full stride. So yeah, Quinnipiac plays in the ECAC conference. Um you guys are in a unique spot this year. Um compared to other years of the, the Ivy league teams and a few others have taken a year off because of COVID-19. Um, you guys are down to only four teams, uh, in the conference. So what's it been like, um, competing in that conference with, with like the majority of the teams not playing? Yeah, it's been interesting. You know, uh, our first part of this season was not a conference, um, which was good. And then, you know, we, since the new year, we've started a conference, you know, it's obviously it's us, St. Lawrence, Clarkson and Colgate four teams and um you know we've played two of them so far we played colgate this weekend but you know each team six times it's kind of like uh you know, it kind of feels like like nhl playoffs almost you know you're usually uh you only get to play each team twice um you know and you kind of play them segmented throughout the throughout the year so 
you know, it was unfortunate the Ivy Leagues decided to cancel. You know, there's some really fun rivalries within there. Obviously, Yale is our huge rival every year. It's uh, it's by far the biggest game of the year for us. And then, you know, playing teams like Cornell and Harvard and Princeton are they're really cool. So it's unfortunate that I'll never be able to do that again as a senior. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the way it is. But I, I thought, you know, all four teams left did a really good job at, you know, going through protocols and, and, and you know, building a, a really good schedule to, to get to play each other. And, yeah, you know, we're, um, you know, kind of halfway through the season now. And, you know, these, these conference games coming up uh, are going to be huge. And obviously the playoffs will just be a, you know, four four team uh, format. Um, so, you know, I'm happy those teams have decided to play and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, the rest of the season goes smoothly. So you, do you personally enjoy it? Maybe um, this year you, you mentioned playing a lot more out of conference games. Is it enjoyable for you to maybe get a chance to play against teams that you might not have gotten to play against this year and maybe change things up a little bit outside of the conference? Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely, you know, I, I think, you know, in this year, you just you kind of have to take a lot of more little things as a positive. I think, you know, just the fact that, you know, we've been able to play, you know, 13 games so far, um, you know, straight through, you know, no pauses or anything. And, you know, like you said, you know, being able to play some other teams that normally wouldn't play just because, you know, some teams have decided to not play. So, you know, I think just, you know, being grateful for, you know, being able to play games and how many games we've played and, um, you know, obviously it's, uh, you know, it's a wild year, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's been pretty back and forth and up and down. And, um, like I said, I think just being grateful that, uh, you know, we've been able to play non-conference games and now that, you know, we're into uh, conference games and we've got a chance to compete for an ECAC title. Yeah, you guys uh, have an eight four and one record this year. Um, how, when you take a look at the team and what you guys have accomplished so far this year, how do you feel about where you guys are at? Yeah, I think right now in the present where we're at, I, I like where we're at. Um, you know, obviously the non-conference was interesting for us. Um, you know, we got swept by Bowling Green, which I think woke us up a little bit. You know, that was you know very earlier in the year, and you know now coming into conference play, we we've we've already played, I think, three overtime games and five games or, you know, three and six games. So, you know, games are going to be tight. Um, you know, all the teams in our conference are, you know, very good teams and you know, every game is going to be a close battle. And, um, you know, it's probably going to come down to the wire to whoever wins the you know the regular season title. But, um, no, I mean, I, I like where our team's at. I like the, the growth we've had. You know, just had a really good weekend coming out of, you know, playing Clarkson at three and three and, um, yeah, I think we're definitely trending in the right direction. Just a couple more questions here before we wrap up. A couple more bigger picture questions. So uh, you're in your senior year at Quinnipiac, um, been there for four years. Uh, when you think back on your four years of the program, like what, is the, what does Quinnipiac mean to you? Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, it means everything. Um, I, I think when I was in Vernon and going through the recruiting process. I, I, I personally didn't know much about Quinnipiac. You know, Mark Ferner introduced me to them. And, um, you know, when I, when I came and did it here, uh, you know, they showed me how much they appreciate smaller forwards and I bought into that. And, you know, ever since I came to Quinnipiac, like I told you earlier, I've had an opportunity to, uh, to play big minutes and I've never looked back on that moment. And, you know, I, I don't know if I'd be in the same position I'm at right now, but, it wasn't for Rand Peckmold and that coaching staff. And, you know, so far I've 
I've been grateful for the you know past three and a half years at Quinnipiac, and um, you know hopefully I can make a couple more memorable moments here in the next couple months. And with this being your final year in college and the way you performed so far in your college career, I would expect you'd get uh, plenty of contract offers from professional teams at the end of the year. But um, what are some of your goals and and maybe your plans for your career going forward now that you're uh, just a few months away from wrapping things up uh, in college? Yeah. I mean, you know, ultimately at the end of the year, I, you know, would love to sign an NHL contract um, wherever that may be. And, you know, uh, I think, you know, from, from not only from the start of the season, but from now on, you know, till the end of the season, I'm going to do whatever I can to, you know, put myself in the best position to do that. I think, you know, um, you know, over the last, you know, three and a half years, my numbers have spoke for themselves offensively. And I think I've done a really good job, um, you know, gaining and, 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 you know, becoming a better defensive player. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I understand size against me and that's always been a thing with me, you know, being five, seven, you know, people don't obviously love that at the start, but I guess, you know, I can't control my height and that's the way it is. And I'll always be a smaller forward, but you know, obviously uh, I don't want to look too far ahead. Um, you know, I know how, how close it is, but you know, I kind of just want to stay in the, in the present day by day and you know, just focus on, you know, being a Quinnipiac Bobcat at the moment and, you know, trying to, you know, to, to make it to the tournament and, you know, also make it to the Frozen Four. All right, Odin. Well, I really appreciate the time. Um, thanks a lot for joining us and best of luck as you finish up for your college career. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Odin Tufto for the time. And another huge thanks to Dylan Playfair for joining us earlier in the show. That'll wrap it up for this edition of the BCHL podcast. We're officially back after a three-week break for the holidays and the new year. As always, thanks to Greg Ballack, the super producer, for putting this all together. Appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you in a week. Music